And now, rate that album, season three, with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming, two guys who know stuff. Hi, and welcome back to Rate That Album, the back and forth podcast review with myself, Paul Muadib, and my good friend, Joseph Fremming. How you doing, Joe? Doing fantastic. Fantastic. That's what I like to hear. And yeah, we do album reviews. Um, and this week, we picked a doozy. <laughs> I should say I picked, not we. Um, this Mortal Coil, Ill End in Tears. Joe, what was your initial impressions and what did you know of Ill End in Tears before, we, before I picked it? Uh, I just had heard of the band before, didn't know much about it. So I kind of went in completely blind. And this was a, this is a conflicting album for me because on the one hand, if I was going to give the music and the instrumentation and the arrangements on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, it would be a solid 10, Paul. The other hand is, if I was going to do that with the vocals, it'd be way down at 1 or 2 for me Mm. so it's an album where i love the music so much and i hated the vocals so much (laughs) that's an interesting juxtaposition sir um yeah let's talk a little bit um about this so it'll end in uh this moral coil coil is not okay (laughs) i'm gonna say i guess i'm gonna preface this to say this is also gonna be just as hard for me to review i think as last week's um taylor swift one was difficult for me in the opposite way where i like this is my like romantic goth music like speaks to my soul and i'm kind of a sucker for it so i have to put that aside from my critical point of view um but there is a lot of pretentiousness around this album (laughs) this is from uh called um 4AD really which was a and is a music label and this is something that i think is just awesome like i wish more labels would do this where um the Ivo Watts Russell and Peter Kent founded this label in 1980 and they brought in a lot of like alternative rock dream pop goth um i mean the Breeders, Lush, Red House Painters, Camera Obscura, TV on the Radio, St. Um, Vincent, Bon Iver um, were on there, um, Bauhaus, The Cocktoo Twins, Modern English, Dead Can Dance, Pixies, Throwing Muses um, were on this label. Uh, and what Ivo did is he brought in um, a collaborator and then went to these bands and said, hey, I want to make like a collective, like somewhat of a super group, but not to promote or try to take away from your bands, but to promote the label. And that's how we got this Mortal Mortal Coil. They only put out three albums with this. And basically each iteration has different bands and, um, like different artists from different bands on each one of the three albums that they end up doing this way. You saw a lot of this happening in uh, the late nineties and early two thousands, uh, indie hip hop. They mm-hmm. did a lot of this too. 
uh, where they would grab some of them became full blown bands like Doom Tree. Yeah. Out of Minneapolis. Uh, there's a lot, you know, uh, what was it? Atmosphere's label did some of this. At Anticon was infamous. They had probably one of the best hip hop albums, which was very much in the same vein of this with uh, Deep Puddle Dynamics. So, yeah, I really like it when labels do that to kind of like push the label and showing your talent within and seeing how they work together. And a lot yeah. of them, you know, they they juxtapose each other and it kind of makes this beautiful chaos it is it is fantastic um and um i'm just again i'm i'm a i'm a, i'm i'm here for it as, as, as you know as as the young kids say i'm here for it um so yes and let's i sent you an article did you get a chance to read that article no, I was I was okay. in California during our little hiatus. So. No, nope. totally fine. So again, we don't really talk, like I said, but this is something that I did send you, and I'm going to quote it. It's from the Vulture, and the title of the article is "How a Bunch of Romantic Goths Changed mm-hmm. Music as We Know It," and this album specifically was, um. I mean, this album was brought up in the, you remember the movie, the doom generation, maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. Um, but Rose McGowan talks about this album again, Patton Oswald talked about this, uh, album, but interestingly enough, you and I, who are big David Lynch fans, David Lynch fell in love with the second song on the album song of the siren song to the siren so much that he actually ordered it for blue velvet. And due to the failure that was Dune, um, Dino uh, DeLaurinitis was like, mm, I'm not going to shut out the rights. No, it's going to be way too spendy. And so he tried to get it again for Twin Peaks and ended up, he had um, Baldamenti create the Twin Peaks thing in reference to this. And finally, in Lost Highway, he had a synth pop version of Song to the Sirens. So this was something, a song that Lynch for years was trying to get in some way into his work. He was so obsessed with it. It's funny you mentioned that because I was through all these songs, like I said, I love the instrumentation. And I was really, you know, I'm not a big fan of the vocals. And I was just thinking, who would be like the perfect vocalist for all these songs? Julie Cruz kept coming to my mind on each mm-hmm. of these tracks. Like, imagine her vocals with these, this instrumentation. Yes. Holy shit. Yeah. Phenomenal. I mean, I, I mean, it would be, I mean, the instrumentation in this album is fantastic. Um, very so Lynchian. It, very Lynchian. Very Lynchian. Like, if you took the vocals out, I would love to, like, take the vocals out of this and then play it. Like, you know how people did the Dark Side of the Moon with Wizard of Oz? I'd like to do this with Eraserhead. <laughs> yeah yeah i think it would work i think it would really work with a racer head i mean there is something amazing i mean the and, and i think we'll get into as we get going here a little bit more but let's talk about what this so this album was put out in 1984 and it does not to me sound like a 1984 album i will say that um and this iteration of it will um, of this mortal coil had Elizabeth Fraser from Cocteau Twins. Uh, it also had Robin Guthrie 
Um, it had um, Lisa Gerard of Dead Can Dance. It had another member of Dead Can Dance. It had John Fryer, who was one of the producers on it. Uh, it had uh, Cindy Sharp of Cindy Talk. It had <clears throat> members of Color Box on here, Wolfgang Press on this album, uh, Exmil Dutchland or Deutschland was on here, just and Howard Devoto of the Buzzcocks. <laughs> <laughs> so this is truly, I mean, I hear a lot of articles refer to it as a supergroup, and they were very, very, I think cognizant of trying not to make it like a group to not you know cause waves among the artists be like this is something we're all going to get into and make this new band so 4ad was very very forthcoming and saying this is not a band this is just something that we're doing as a label and so i don't know if i necessarily call it a super group but this is one hell of a lineup joe it's a collective it's yeah it's not a super group. It's a collective. A super group typically is, you know, you get like, kind of like get like the big personalities from various bands. Like it's a collective of talented people who work well together. When I think super group, I think of that horseshit Eric Clapton was doing in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> it was like blind faith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Valid Derek points, and the Dominoes. Derek and the Dominoes, yeah. All that terrible 70s white guy blues horse shit. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Joe. <laughs> so, yes, sir. Well, let's dive into this. Um, the first song is Kangaroo by a band that we've covered. Yep, we got two songs by Originally our good done. friends and Big Star. Big Star. And... Like I told I would, you in that review, this is another one of those big stars, one of your favorite bands, favorite bands. Yeah. Yeah. And I went back and listened to the original. And I'm going to say that I actually prefer this version over the big star version um, of this particular way that it's done. I'll be, you know, the vocals at first, I was kind of like, okay. But then when I listened to the big star version, it's almost eerily the same it's like a, it's a, i like alex children's vocals better but again that was my sticking point was the the vocals on this it's just very you know it the music to me doesn't sound 80s but the vocals sure shit do for me and that's probably sure. what's uh heard it but again the arrangement on kangaroo here i like better than the big star same with holocaust when we get to that like yeah. I love these arrangements. Like, it's so dark it's, and beautiful. And, like, yeah. this is, like, shit I'd love to, like, just sip wine on a rainy day and just listen to this shit, you know? I Yes. Yeah. No, this is – I'm, I'm upset I wasn't into this sooner. <laughs> I would say <laughs> that. And so the next one is Song to the Siren, with which is originally a Tim Buckley song uh, done by um, basically – Cocktoo Twins. I will say that I personally do really love Elizabeth Fraser's voice. Um, she does have one of those things. Um, she's recently did a collaboration with um, Yonzi of um, Seeger Rose on his solo album. And oh my God, 
her vocals like just make that song come alive. It's unbelievable. Um, I've listened to the Tim Buckley version. Nothing like this version at all. I love Tim Buckley too, but yeah, it, Tim Buckley's more of a singer songwriter. <laughs> yep. Like it's yeah. like, you know, it's, you know, like he gets that stuff out there and then people like, you know, this band expands on it, makes it beautiful. Again, the sticking point for me is the vocals. I know you like it. To me, it sounded like Enya doing her best Stevie Nicks impersonation. <laughs> so, wow. But it was still of all the vocals on this album. This was the song. This is the one that like I liked mm-hmm. a bit, but not not as much. You know, not too much. But I could I could see it. It works a little better than others, as we'll get. Yeah. Nope, that's fair. Um, Holocaust. Oh, man. Okay. So this one, I love the arrangements for it. Oh, God. The arrangements on this album, Paul, are so fucking brilliant to me. Aren't they really? I am just like, I was just like, the times that kind of moved me to tears, just how beautiful and dark and just great it was. The piano on this song is amazing. That is not present on the big star one, I, I don't feel. Um, now, this one was sung by Howard DeVoto uh, of the Buzzcocks. Again, he tried very, I think, too much to be like Alex Chilton. So, honestly, when I listen to the two, I tend to prefer... I've ended up putting the big star version on my like list over this version. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because, again, the arrangement in this and the and the the the, the melody is unreal. Oh god, yeah, and it leads in leads into my favorite track on the album. <laughs> All right, F- and yeah, obviously it's the instrumental mm-hmm. <laughs> fight or fate or however fate or whatever. How are you pronounce it? F Y T. Yep. Yeah, this to me was like this to me just like. I, I listen to this and I'm like, yep, this is this is where Nine Inch Nails got it. Oh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. This is like the genesis of a lot of things. This is the genesis of Ministry, Nine Inch Nails, uh, mm-hmm. uh, all that. It in- this album's like the DNA of industrial to me. Like, it's the DNA of a lot of. I mean, it's a dot. It's a DNA of dream pop. It's the DNA pop, yeah. of. Industrial. It's the DNA of goth. It's the DNA of a lot. Like this is, this truly did change music. And I again, it was how I never knew about it is just a a damn shame. Um. So yeah, I I'm with you. Yeah, you can definitely in 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 fit or fight. You can hear the Trent Reznor. <laughs> yeah, you can see you can see Reznor was heavily influenced by that. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Um then that bleeds into fond affections which the segue works really really well. Yep. Um and I I mean this was done this is a song that was done by um a band called Rima Rima. Um I I, I like it. Um it's not as heavy on the on the lyrical, but I mean, there's just something about it that's just melancholy. But at the same time, I 
will agree with you that I feel like the vocals on some of these songs really take away from kind of that dark, depressing, gothic side of the instrumental. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's, uh, for me, it feels like really proper British feeling, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. really just kind of, uh, not my particular favorite when it comes to vocals. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just not a fan of that. But again, the arrangements, every, every song in here, the arrangements blew me away. And then... You know, some of the vocals work better than others for me, but I still didn't really care for them. And this was one another one where it it starts distracting me. Fair enough, absolutely from, from the back from the music that I'm enjoying, which is I just wish I could get an instrumental version of this album <laughs> because it would be like if I could get an instrumental of this album, it'd be easily like a top fifteen album for me. Oh, I completely agree with you. A million, a million percent, Joe. Absolutely. Um, the next one is another instrumental, "The Last Ray," um, which I enjoyed as well. I don't, I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know if it's as good as "Fight" um, or Yo, "Fight." Was the "Fight" blew blew my mind? This yep. this was still good. Mm-hmm. Still yeah. good. "Fight" just kind of like that blew me away when I was listening to it. I was just like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> like, yeah, they're they're onto something here, you know. Yes. Yeah. When I heard that one coming in, like the very first time we're listening to the album, the first time I went, Oh my God. (laughs) Like, yeah, I was, I was in, like I was sold. Like I said, this was, it's hard for me to put my critic hat on uh, because this just, like I said, speaks to me on, on such a ridiculously dorky level. Um, then we get to another day, which is a Roy Harper song. I like this one a lot. And this one was sung by Elizabeth Frazier, and I really like this song um, a lot. I just think it's it's so well done, and the lyrics fit it. I mean, it, yeah, it, no, it, it does. It was I it, it helps that I like Roy Harper a lot too. Like I, I don't know about you, but you know, I'm probably one of those people who got into Roy Harper because of Pink Floyd because mm-hmm. it's the vocalist on Have a Cigar. Yep. Yep. No, hundred. Yeah, I didn't know because I knew that you're, you're right on. Because when it you know going down a rabbit hole like we normally do, I <laughs> was like, "That's not a member of Pink Floyd." <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, this "Roy Harper guy," and uh, he's another. I I can see, and I like the diversity of the covers here a bit mm-hmm. because they're they're coming from a lot of like just songwriters and they're given this uh i don't know if i would call it lush but the, this very atmospheric interpretations yeah these songs are like a lot of times are just guy on a guy or girl on a guitar or whatever so it's it's it it's very interesting how they approach and this, this is what i love about this is how you do covers right for me i, I if you're going to do a cover i don't want it to sound exactly like the original source, because why the, why the hell am I listening to your cover then? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm with you. I prefer diversity on a cover. Um, I know it's been getting a lot of resurgence. We've already talked about Kate Bush in another uh, podcast, but we didn't do the running up, um, running <laughs> up that hill, but yeah. <laughs> which I love that song. Love, love, love that song. But well, I, I also mentioned that, uh, on our podcast, we we've covered Metallica and uh, Kate Bush. 
<laughs> Joe Brown point this out. He's like, did you and Paul will this to be into Stranger Things? To which I respond, I'm like, I hope season five has Joe's garage in it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear that. The song I sent him was, why does it hurt when I pee? Yes, I want to hear that. I want to see, see one of the boys like get attacked and why does it hurt when I pee? Yeah, or someone, just give someone VD and make them sing yeah. that song. Yeah, they'll be old enough. They'll be all in their 20s. But... Yeah, they'll be all in their 20s. Give it to someone. Give, give it to, uh, I don't care who it is. Just give someone VD and make them play that song. Um <laughs> Those of you that are, are Stranger Things people that are listening to this. Um, <laughs> or Lucille's messed up my mind. Make a character named Lucille and put it in there. Um, so, yeah. Um, we, but going back to that Kate Bush, I love that, love that, love that song. But the placebo version, I think, has a really good interpretation of it. And is completely different than, yeah. than the original. And those are the covers that I appreciate. Yeah, that's, um, I'm in the same boat as you. It's just do something original and special with a cover, or just don't do it at all. Yes, I mean, make it your make it your own, and that's like one of the reasons I love later era Johnny Cash when he starts doing covers, because he's doing those covers and he's making it his own, and he's not trying to sound like the <laughs> weird group of. Uh, artists that rick rubin threw his way he's just doing it his way and i think that's what makes a successful cover if you're gonna make it if you make it your way you're you're doing it right 100 percent, 100 percent. and i think that's why to me well i love the arrangement of holocaust the vocals of it yeah we're too much on tune with the with the big star version of it and i think there could have been yeah. some interpretation there and here, yeah and if there's and yeah because I love Alex Chilton's voice too. He has a very yes. distinctive voice and you're not, if you're just going to try and sound like him, you're not going to, you're not doing yourself any favors. No, no, no. So next one we get is waves become wings, which is an original by Lisa Gerard of dead can dance. And I've listened to some dead from dead can dance. I do like some dead can dance. Yeah, they're all right. They're all right. Um, this well, song, we have a wide variety of musical taste. <laughs> really and this is really showing it too on our pod. Like, like we start talking, I'm like, fuck, I know too many bands, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, I, I absolutely. I mean, this is this is fantastic, though. Um, I really like the arrangements. I don't necessarily like what Lisa did with with the vocals on. This I don't song. like. The, I didn't like the, vocal. the arrangement, though. Again, the arrangements on each track for me is a ten. Mm-hmm. I just love it, and, and you know, I, I just, you know, I'm sure more people enjoyed the vocals to justify this than me being the one grouch like, eh, but <laughs> still, I, it's my opinion. I just, I don't like any of the vocals. <laughs> no, album, and I, you know, again, there are songs where I do, but there's ones where I, I didn't yeah. feel it worked. Um, yeah, I wish Julie Cruz would have been the vocalist on all these songs, <laughs> and it would have been been the greatest album ever made. Yeah, it probably would. It probably would have been the perfect album, Joe, that we never got. Right? No, but it'd been damn close, Paul. It'd have been pretty <laughs> fucking close. <laughs> uh, next up is a um, instrumental written by uh, Simon Ramundi, who is a member of the Cockatoo Twins. Uh, I like this one. Again, you can't go wrong with the instrumental on this album. Like, nobody's fucking yeah, up it's here. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Like, I can't stress that enough how the instrumental, again, it, br- it brought me to tears sometimes. Just how beautiful it was. Because it just, it's, it hit, it, 
this kind of music really strikes a chord with me. So I love it. It's like when I listen to Nine Inch Nails had an instrumental album called Ghosts. And like, Ghosts, yes. Yeah, and that was another one of those like it hit hard. You know, <laughs> it was just like yeah, I really this is beautiful. Yeah, it's um yeah it is, and then it goes right into Not Me. Uh, or excuse me, no, it goes right into Dreams Made Flesh. Yeah, which is we'll talk one. about not me in a bit. Yeah, 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 we will. Yeah, we will. <laughs> which is Dreams Made Flesh is another Lisa Gerard song. I also, again, there's not much you could say. It's instrumental. Um, yeah, gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's, yeah, it's gorgeous. The musicianship, the production on this is top fucking notch yeah. for 1984 yeah it, and it's like not big names so the fact that they're getting this sound in a studio with not a whole lot of money i'd imagine mm-hmm. is just gobsmacking to me yeah it really goes to show like again you and i have talked about where there's that awful 80s sound and these guys were doing shit that's timeless i mean truthfully mm-hmm. outside of the vocals on some of the songs like, I do think Song to the Siren is a timeless, that version is timeless. Like, there's a lot of timelessness to this album. Yeah. Yeah, you you couldn't, you could play this. I, I And my kids were listening to it. My, my, I'm, one of my kids was like, oh, this is a newer album you're doing. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> now we get into Not Me, written by Colin Newman of The Wire, the band oh. Wire. I think it confuses. This is this is a song called "Some Kind of Hate" by the Misfits. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It Written is. by Dan Marison. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, that damn Dan Marison. Yeah, this is wow. This is blatant. <laughs> yeah, like I was just like, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt because 1984, not a whole lot of people listen to the Misfits, but um, it was. Like it popped. No, it only it didn't help to make it pop, you know, like in a very like dreamlike album. You start throwing in like a fifties punk rock and roll vibe, but then you make it sound like a misfit song. <laughs> it's just like you're making it stick out like a sore thumb here, buddy. I'll be I'll be honest. I don't know if you can the instrumentation on it, the guitar work, it's too close to Dan. It's pretty Harrison. close. Like I Again, I'm I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt, and they didn't hear it. But it's it was it was the very first the first couple chords. I was like, dude, I that's the that's the misfits. You, no, no, because one of the people that that was on this was from Modern English, and they considered themselves a new wave post punk band. I guarantee you, Robbie Gray of Modern English was listening to the Misfits. I guarantee you, he he was. So. <laughs> I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt, Joe. <laughs> right, right, I guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm so not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, so, but it's weird. Like, this is the, this is yeah, the fuchsia. stands out. Yeah, this is the fuchsia window on a brown colored house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a pimple on the Mona Lisa. It really just stands out. It, there is no mistaking when you hit not me, you go, Whoa, okay. <laughs> what whole, whole what is happening here? <laughs> yeah, this is, are we going a different way? Um, which then goes into a goes, single wish, which switches gears right back. Like, why didn't you it just end? It gears right back into the vibe of the... 
Yeah, I don't understand why they didn't end with not me. Like, switch those two around, but single wish. Honestly, I would have put a not me on the album. <laughs> 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 like, it doesn't fit anywhere. Like, we have, we're big sticklers with sequencing. This is a per, almost a damn near perfect sequence, and then it's not me, and then goes back. I know. <laughs> it just disrupts the whole album. It's a good song, but not for this album. <laughs> Just, it'd be like throwing Revolution 9 in the middle of Revolver. Like, <laughs> That's kind of what it is. It's really, it's, it is a punk song. It's a, it's, it is a misfit style punk song on an otherwise goth dream punk album and a uh, dream pop <laughs> album. And it does not fit. Like when I first heard it, I was like, oh, that's the end of the album. And it's and like my players just because I use YouTube music, which then goes into another album or a different songs. So I'm like, oh, OK. And then I look, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is still the same album. Like, I really thought it was a different album. Yeah. Yeah, it, it came out of nowhere. <laughs> I did the same thing on my Amazon music because, you know, at the end of the album, they'll play artists like artists like. And like, so I'm like, well, I mean, maybe this, maybe this band was on the label. I don't know. Cause this label had all sorts of pixies. I mean, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's on. <laughs> it just swings back into single wish, which I think is a really good way to end the album. It's just kind of, it, it, there's something nostalgic about the, 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 the violin or the bass, or like the, that, the violin sound the, the, that, yeah. that runs to it. I, I, I can't pinpoint it, but every time I hear it, I get this vibe of I've heard this something similar like this before and it's too far out of the reach of my memory, but I know I've heard it before and I loved it, but I cannot for the life of me ever remember where I originally heard it. And it is just a great way to end, end, end the album. Yeah. Um, we didn't really go into the lyrics and I'm going to be honest. There's not really a point because they're most of these are covers. Yeah, they're covers. They're yeah. covers. So, you know, it's not like, they're doing interpretation of these things. It's not like Taylor Swift, who's writing her own lyrics, and you know other bands that are writing their own lyrics. It's like so, when we did Shatner, like you yeah, there's covers, and the only you know he had a theme, but it was like, well, we're not. Why were we going the lyrics of Rocket Man when it's taken completely out of context on a Shatner album? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, this uh, album was loved um it debuted it was number one on the uk independent charts it was 38 on the uk album charts um song to the siren uh was all over um uh kangaroo was the other single from this album uh which makes sense to me um it again over in uk didn't really get a lot in the in the u.s um in 19 in 2018 pitchfork ranked it as number eight on the list of the 30 best dream pop albums um, all music gave it four and a half stars mojo gave it four stars pitchfork gave it a nine out of ten um and i can totally see why i mean it is a damn fine album yeah it's really good yeah it's again my my sticking sticking point was the the vocals, which I'm not a fan of, but 
God, the instrumentation and the presentation and the production is just so beautiful and mm -hmm. mind-blowing for uh, pretty much an indie band. Yeah. Or an indie collective. An indie collective. Uh, their next album was um, Phil Green's Shadow. And that finger fingered that featured <laughs> members of Breathless, uh, featured uh, members of uh, Diff Jews. Uh, it featured Allison Limerick. It featured well, again Dead Can Dance. It featured a, uh, Colorbox, Wolfgame Press. Interestingly enough, it didn't uh, did not have any of the. Um, of Elizabeth Fraser, but it did have more Simon uh, Simon um, Raimondi of of um, Cocktoo Twins, and Joe. I they they must have heard you way back in the past because a majority of that album is instrumentals. Um, so I'm a smart guy, <laughs> you're a smart guy, Joe. Yeah, I'm a funny guy over here, Paul. <laughs> Real joker. Shamed him in the, shamed him in the future. <laughs> yeah, this that Dan Marison time loop we talked about with Danzig Three. God damn, Dan Dan Morrison. Um, yeah, this one it was of the 25 tracks, 13 are instrumental. And it was actually the first double LP released on 4AD. <laughs> and so, I mean, they went ahead and like, hey, we're going to make our own double LP. So, <laughs> as, a, as a label. And then the final one was Blood, um, which was uh, NME Music ranked at number 493 on its list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. That one features members um kim deal um and uh what's her nuts of um oh kim deal and uh, dana donnelly tana uh tanya donnelly of the breeders because um, the breeders were on the label at that time uh still had more of um the color box and um Fraser uh, Fraser chorus. At this point, there I don't believe Cocktoo Twins with with for AD anymore. Um, uh, so yeah, just kind of a lot of the the staples there. Um, really, really. There's even a Sid Barrett cover on <laughs> on their final one called Blood. Yeah, they did a, a Sid Barrett cover of his song Late Night. Yeah, so there you go. Um, they only did these three albums um I, I think it's was phenomenal um i'm not sure why they stopped doing it um it was it's yeah i mean there's not a lot on their label anymore it's not a big label anymore so i think that had a lot to do with it um uh, in the business of reissues now at this this point of i think what the Breeders, I, I'm guessing Pod was the album the Breeders did on 4AD. I'm going to guess it was. Um, That's my favorite Breeders album anyway. Well, it's their first one. Or one of the first, first let's ones. Let's take a look. Uh, their their first one. Yep, yep. 4AD gave Dylan Donnelly a budget of $11,000 to make the album. Yep, Pod. Yep. So that was 4AD. Yep. Yep. All right. 
So that is it will end in tears. Um, Joe, I, I'm going to go. I mean, what would you do for recommendations on this one? I would say I would recommend it, but I mean, because I, I think it's a beautiful album. Like, if you're listening to these uh, reviews and, you know, you know my point of view on a lot of music now. So if you're a stickler for, if you don't like uh, really pretentious British vocals, you know, uh, that might get in the way, but I just ignore them. I ignored the vocals I had to. So just because they just I couldn't stand them, but the music was br- so so well done that yeah I will recommend it. Yes, um, I'm going to give this one a recommendation. I'm also going to put a caveat in there because I always put a caveat in there. What's with um, the caveats, man? <laughs> it's recommended or not? Well, dude, it's because there's. I mean, I I will, but I I, I want. It's kind of cheating, isn't it? Uh, well, fine. I'll stop. Fine. I'll stop with the caveat. Yes, I'd recommend <laughs> the album. There's absolutely nothing. Well, I want to know what the caveat is. <laughs> no, no. The, the, well, the caveat is, look, it is a instrumental musically dream pop goth wonderland if that is not your thing i don't know just like i said with taylor swift as much as i love this but taking my hat off i could see where there be people who could not get into this album i can totally see someone it's not an easy album to get into no no if you're not in that universe if that's not your thing I don't know if anything in here would pull you into it. Um, what's that? Maybe the instrumentals. Maybe the instrumental. Maybe maybe Fate, uh, FYT. Um, yeah, because there is that bridge there, I think, with industrial, yeah. um, with other things. So if that is something you're into. But I think if you're into industrial already, you should be kind of open to this kind of thing. Yeah. 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 But if this is like not your thing, like melancholy music, that's kind of going to make you think and contemplate and you just kind of vapid. Yeah. You're not going to like, you're going to have a bad time. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have a bad time. You're going to have a bad time. (laughs) So that's my caveat there. Joe, um, what is going on with the Joe down, sir? Oh, Well, we're going to be doing uh, Invincible here. This, uh, uh-huh. I went on vacation. Now Brown's on vacation. So when he gets back, uh, that'll be the end of sports month. It once again, extends into August because we got stuff to do. Okay. No, that's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. Um, all right. Joe, what are we doing next week, buddy? Oh, Paul, this is... This is going to be, this can either be a quick answer or it can turn into a, a rabbit hole here. But I'm going to give you a choice between A and B, Paul. One of these is the Wheel of Shit. The other is considered a Stone Cold Classic. So, Fuck. Paul, A or B? B. You pick the Stone Cold Classic. We're going with Funhouse by the Stooges. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> Thank God. I learned my lesson. A for asshole. I wasn't going to do it. Um, yes. Iggy and the Stooges. Iggy and the Stooges. Mm-hmm. 
weird, weird jazz influenced proto punk Detroit rock. Band. Oh, this is a classic, sir. Considered by a lot of, I think it's one of Jack White's favorite albums. Uh, it's a lot of people's favorite Stooges album. So I figured we get get a little Iggy in the mix now. I like the fact that we're bringing in Iggy. Yeah, no, this was, I'm excited. Um, I, I do, I'm familiar with this album. I love this album. So I will be happy. It's a wild album. I listened to it like last week and I was just like, this is a, it's a fucking wild album. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, well, I mean, I mean, have you ever seen, I mean, if you guys haven't seen Iggy on stage, do yourself a favor. Don't look it up. (laughs) 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 So awesome. Oh God. You know, I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, That should be really good. Joe, you know what? I I was looking at something. I recently uploaded um, our, the the Taylor Swift one. Do you realize that you and I in combined with just the stuff that we've done together uh, with um, on SoundCloud, we have done, this will be our 98th podcast that we've done together. Jesus. Yeah. We're (laughs) we're coming up on our hundredth podcast that we, uh, uh, that we've done episodes that we've done together. 98th huh this was our 98th well i think the 100th is gonna have to be the wheel of shit paul well you know what it very well could be we could do the the wheel of shit but (laughs) but yes when i look at our track on um on soundcloud we have 97 tracks on soundcloud sir that's wild that is it, wild. Isn't it? it, does, it would have been like, a lot more, but we uh, we we ramrod it through season two of Twin Peaks. We really did. We really, really <laughs> ramrod it. was for our own mental health, people. We had to. Uh, uh, you, you can't, I, I'm sorry. You can't do an episode to episode on season two. You can't. <laughs> we probably would have died, Paul. We would have died. Yeah, we would have died. So I think, yeah, you and I are going to have to kind of discuss, I think, something special um, for our 100th episode. But, yeah, this yep, this will be episode 98, sir, of all of our podcasts. Yep. Yep. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I take that back. We have 98 listed now. So this is episode 99. So oh, The wow. Stooges is episode 100. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> So for our 100th episode, sir, we will be doing the Stooges. Funhouse. Yeah. Funhouse. I think that's a good 100th episode. I think it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you, I know we're jumping ahead of ourselves, but I mean, that album, no one, I mean, the, the lowest rating it's got is like a four-star rating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll talk about it, but I remember buying it because I had their first album. Mm-hmm. 19 the 1969 one yep the stooges and i was you know that's very you know has like you know uh i want to be your dog on it and stuff like that uh, yep which so i covered yeah you know you have <laughs> yeah be my band yeah me and the band we would cover we used to do i want to be your dog yep live on stage oh yeah and so when i bought funhouse that threw me through a loop because it's very different 
very different. They've never done any, anything like it again after either. So, which is or weird. Which I, I mean, Iggy has himself, I think, kind of gone down that road a little bit. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand. I mean, when you do something like this, though, how do you recreate it? Yeah, you know, it's a. I believe they're all just on LSD the whole time they're recording it too. So that's Good. probably one of the reasons. Good for them. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> 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 Fuck. All right. Um, yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna watch Prey tonight. By the way, tonight when we record this, Prey drops on Hulu at uh, eleven o'clock tonight. You've been uh, paying attention to that, Joe. I just want our fans to know that we are in no way being compensated by Hulu and or the <laughs> Paramount company which put out Prey. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually gonna. Look, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, I I am looking forward to it. I've been all the reviews I've read says it goes back to like how the first two are, where it's a uh, uh, cat uh, hunter prey, you know, kind of or that vein instead of like the alien versus predator shit. That I saw the last predator movie, like <sighs> that, uh, Shane Black did. Yeah, but that was a disappointment because I really liked the movie. I think he did it either before or after was with, with the good guys with. Russell Crowe and uh, mm-hmm. that was oh, like yeah. a real like a buddy cop movie, but it was, you know he he does that well. He didn't do Predator well. <laughs> well, so Shane Black has been known for he's a great writer, really. Screenwriter, really, he wrote. Yeah, didn't he write Lethal Weapon? He did write Lethal Weapon. Actually, one of the reasons why he was hired to be in the original Predator. Yeah, people we got to remember, he's he plays one of the soldiers in the jungle. Yeah. yeah, he played one of the soldiers. One of the reasons why they had him hired him to be in that movie was because they said, "Hey, if we could get him here to act, we can have him do a run through of the script." And you know, and he saw this ploy ahead of time. The only thing that Shane Black added to that movie was what was the echoing pussy joke. That's the only thing he added to to the Predator movie. A lot of people credit Shane Black for the Predator being so good, and that's actually the only thing he added to it. But yeah, no, he was. Then we're gonna pay him the script script doctorate, and what's the point? You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's the point? They're like, hey, we'll give you a, a small role in this as Hawkins. And they're like, hey, by the way, since you're here acting on this movie, can you take a look at the script? <laughs> oh, assholes. Yep. Same thing with Dead Heat. Actually, he's a he's an unscripted yep, script doctor for Dead Heat, um, for The Hunt of Red October, and unfortunately, RoboCop 3. Um, but Ooh. yeah. yeah. But the Predator... PG-13 vehicle, right? The PG-13 vehicle. Um, the Predator, though, was plagued with studio interference. Unfortunately, I don't blame, since we're just discussing it. Um, he did there, hire that, uh, that uh, sexual assaulter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, that was a that was a controversy. Yeah, one of his buddies, they actually cut that scene out and then put it back in. Um, and there's a lot... They redid the whole ending because the studio wanted a more of an actiony based thing, and that's why that kind of that edit that ending really just the whole movie falls apart in the third act. 
And, oh, the movie falls apart right out of the gate for me. <laughs> like it was at least somewhat entertaining, but the ending did not help. No, no. Like no. they're trying to go off the cult of personality of these characters because they did have a good ensemble cast. They had a great ensemble cast, but like uh, without any direction or studio mucking up the direction. Yeah, the studio. There was a lot of studio interference on this, and. Um, they were going to bring in actually Arnold Schwarzenegger to redo his role, but he wanted something like $30 million for a cameo. And the studio was like, no. <laughs> so yeah, um, I am looking forward to prey. I, I, I love predator, the original um, predator two has grown on me over the years. I despised it when Good it first preface. came out. I like it putting it in a city. Yeah. Like that idea. But yeah, I just, for whatever reason, like it was, for me, I think I was younger and it was just too different. Like it was like, rah, 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 rah. and over the years, I've started to respect it more and like it more. And I've also, it's such a great B movie. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like every fucking 80s post apocalyptic, you know ridiculous over-the-top movie um so you know everyone you know, not all the sequels can be speed to cruise control <laughs> my favorite movie of all time <laughs> sir <laughs> speed to cruise control so awesome well yeah i'm gonna try and watch that tonight um otherwise sir uh do you want to take us out no this has been rate that album with paul muadib and Joe Fremming. Thank you for listening.